don't let anybody waste your time twice. And I, that just stuck with me. So when I read the bit he said about time wasting yeah. and time wasters, I'm, I'm, you know, and I also remember Steve Critchy does a great, a great training about, uh, about how he used to manage his time and how protective he was of his time. And, and that's another message, underlying message that Brian Tracy gets across in the book is, is to be so protective of, of your time. Welcome to Live, Love, Laugh and Learn, the podcast that helps you be more, do more and get more out of life. Life's not long enough to make all your mistakes yourself, so we interview fabulous and successful people so that we can learn their secrets to living life on purpose, loving what you do and leading a fun-packed life. And here's your host, Chris Williams. Hi everybody, welcome to the Live, Love, Laugh and Learn podcast. We have got an exciting episode today. We have got Barry the Book again. Hello Barry. Hello Chris. And it is an exciting day Barry because we are recording this very coincidentally and it is a coincidence on World Book Day. How cool is that? <laughs> and, Brilliant. And I've just had a little note come through from on a blog, a guy that I follow Andrew Craig and the UK charity it's called the reading agency I didn't know there's a charity called that Barry did you but uh, obviously we I all need know. we need a bit of help with our <laughs> reading by the sound of it and so three really really good points about reading regular readers for pleasure reported fewer feelings of stress and depression than non-readers those who read sense. it does yeah those who read for pleasure have higher levels of self-esteem and a greater ability to cope with difficult situations mm. how cool is that and reading for pleasure was also associated with better sleeping patterns and it goes on to talk about the benefits to to children as well so i thought i'd share that with everybody because books are important barry aren't they absolutely it's life changes. Uh, they're absolute life changes. So we're going to be talking today. We said we'd talk about the book of the month, which is an amazing club that you've put together for people. Would you like to just explain what book of the month is, Barry? Yeah, what we do, Chris, we um, and have done very, very successfully now for, for, for quite a few years. Uh, we send out a brand new book um every month to people it's so it's never anything that they already have had um they get it before everybody else cheaper than everyone else sent free to their door it's very powerful in that they get to read the same material as all the leaders are reading at the same time as well because the you know a lot of the leaders within the industry are in our book of the month club as well so everybody there's that synergy of everybody reading something at the same time and i know People like yourself, they, you know, you'll discuss it with some of your team members. And I've had many a conversation with other people that have discussed it with team members. So, yeah, they, they, there's a real power to that. Um, and it's, it's definitely something that works. And one of the, I think one of the biggest kind of benefits that, that doesn't get mentioned enough, and I hear this so many times on my end, is people will actually say to me, you know that book you sent out last month? I would never have picked that one up. I would never have bought that if I'd have seen you at the, you know, an event and, and I'd have come to your stand or if I'd walked into Waterstones, I would never have picked that one up. 
and yet it's just made a massive difference to my business or to my life and and I hear that quite a lot and that's that's really encouraging to hear because that's one of the beauties of it you don't have to choose anything you know we choose it for you it's something that's going to help you with either your personal development or it's going to help you with your business um, and it, it just kind of works it works out an average of 10 pound a month you know I think the most expensive one is 11.99 and normally it's below 10 quid so for an average of 10 pound a month you're getting something brand new that's going to you know has the ability to transform uh, and impact both your business and your and your personal life and to me that's uh, that's an, a great investment brilliant i'm a big big believer in it barry as you know i do read a lot of books some of the books i've got in advance of you bringing them out a lot of them like you say you source originally and books i agree i would never have read you've brought to my attention but the key is is being able to discuss these books, which is what we're going to do. We're going to discuss a book today. And we've also got a special offer for our listeners, haven't we? If they listen all the way to the end of the podcast, Barry, we've got something really yeah. special, haven't we? So um, yeah. I would that'll, that'll encourage people to listen. <laughs> Hopefully they don't skip to the end anyway. So um, I'm holding in my, in my hand the 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 last book of the month book and i found it absolutely brilliant it's instead of a load of fluff barry it really really gets to the point and it talks about how to make the most of the most precious asset that everybody listening to this call has and that asset is your time and making the most of time because we all we all know that time is more valuable than money the older you get, you find that out. Now, I haven't found that out personally. Barry, an old person said, Chris, when you get really old, you'll find <laughs> out time's valuable. The thing is, you can never get it back, can you? You can earn more money, but you can never get that time back. So the book's called Time Management by Brian Tracy from the Brian Tracy Success Library. So, Barry, how did you come across this little book? There's a, there's a story behind it as well, isn't there? Yeah, there is, Chris. Yeah, I was um, a couple of years now ago, my, both my boys were involved, very heavily involved in golf. And I was very fortunate and I was over watching one of their friends play in the, the Dubai Desert Classic in Dubai with both my, both my sons. And obviously we had some downtime uh, when we weren't watching the golf. And there's a there's a fantastic mall, um, the Emirates Mall, which is just the, uh, by the Burj Khalifa, Burj Mall, sorry by the Burj Khalifa, it's the biggest mall I've ever been to in my life. Well, just like that's the biggest mall in the world, it's got one of the biggest bookshops in the world as well. Um, I, for the life of me, what's the name? It's something like Kinto's. But it's um, it's an amazing bookshop, and, and I, it's, the, it's the most personal development material I've ever seen under one, under one roof. And I have been to some amazing bookshops in America, you know, your Barnes and Nobles and, and, and Borders and places like that. So... I mean, I found this, and I was just—I literally was the was the kid in the in the in the sweet shop, but it was a bookshop. Um, I spent I spent nearly a whole day there, I guess, in terms of the time I spent there, wow. just looking at all the different stuff. And because it was in, you know, obviously in the the Arab Emirates, um, there was authors from from all over the world, but authors I weren't aware of, um, you know, people from Singapore, people from from the Arab, you know, Dubai, uh, Kuwait. Um, Saudi, uh, as long as all, as long you know, as, as well as all the core material that we we know and love. Um, so as I say, I just did a lot of research, and I came across this this book. And a person I, I love, I love Brian Tracy anyway, but I'd never seen his this version. I'd never seen 
uh, such a small compact book and when I, I, I I'll be honest I sat down Chris it, it was beautiful I got you know sofas and chairs all over the place I sat down and I and I skim read the whole of that book whilst I was there just to make sure it was what I thought it was and just thought wow this is brilliant this is you know this is definitely a future book of the month because it's a such an important title and such an important subject but it's also this one because of the nature of what he's done it's so easy to read and it's the real key bits you know it's the key bits to to managing yourself better managing your time better so yeah found it in in in, in dubai and obviously you know when i got back i i sourced it from it ended up coming from the uk in the end but it was an american company that, that had the rights to it and uh yeah and so that's that's how we find it as, as book of the month uh this month brilliant the good news is we haven't got to go to dubai <laughs> fly to Dubai to find the book so Barry thanks for doing that for us I'm just reading some of the blurb on the back 21 proven time management techniques you can use immediately to gain at least two productive hours each day well that's got to be worth reading it just to get that isn't it and if you suffer from from interruptions meetings emails phone calls or allocating enough time for top priorities if you've ever procrastinated over anything and I have Barry, uh, all of this stuff. So it, it it is an absolute brilliant book. So let let's go through it, Barry. What's uh, what what are your feedback comments on it? What were the things that jumped out at you? I've got some notes here, and I'm sure you have. As I mean, well. one of the things that I implemented in, into my my own personal business and life, Chris, was the priorities. Uh, yeah, I mean, what I I do now, I do it every day. Uh, first thing in the morning, I've got a, a what I call a day book, a little book that I work from. On the left-hand side, I have my priorities, which is normally one or two things, sometimes three. I think today was three. In fact, today's a good example. It was it was four. It was four today. Yeah. Just looking over at it. Um, and then I have on my right, and that's, that's on the left-hand side. Yeah. And on the right-hand side, I have a whole host of things I still need to do, but they're not time, you know, they, they, I don't have to do them instantly. And, and the majority of them aren't income-producing activities or, or things it might be emails i've got to do it might be booking up the holiday it might be um i don't know just uh, different 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 things but they're not they're not my priorities and so what i do every day is i look only at the left hand side when i first start my working day um, and i work through the left hand side and i kind of have an unwritten rule in my mind i'm not going to touch the right hand side until i've done my priorities yeah. And I'm looking at, I've crossed off all four of my priorities today, you know, and it's only where we're doing this call at around two o'clock. So, you know, and it, and it just releases me. It just makes everything so much easier. Um, and, and for me, that's, that was probably my biggest takeaway from that, from the whole was from that whole book was to, was to, to, to prioritize. I've always been pretty good to be fair. I've worked from, you know, I've worked, run my own business now for 24 years. I've worked from home you know, I've done all that. I've worked on my own. I've worked in teams, and I've always felt I've been pretty, pretty good. But that that just made such a difference to me personally, um, and and it's just the the release of uh, almost pressure. Once you've done the most important things, your priority things, the income producing, the rest of the day just kind of takes care of itself. And they also the other funny thing that tends to happen is the things on the right hand side of the list they seem to go without me actually having to do anything. And as an example of that, let's say I put yeah. you down, Chris, as someone I just wanted to talk to. You. Say I put, you know, call Chris about next month's podcast. Yeah. And and there's no time, you know. I know I've got plenty of time to do it as long as I do it in the next three weeks. I'll, I'll be fine. 
that what would happen to you know what tends to happen is in in those kind of instances you'd call me or yep. you'd drop me an email and i and i just think oh right whilst I, well while we're talking chris or while i'm on this email let me let me just you know ask that question i wanted to ask you about next month's podcast and, I, and straight away it's crossed off and so without sometimes without even doing anything i might have a list of 15 things on the right hand side uh, non-priorities i'll end up by the end of the week, I'll end up, I've done 10 of them, but I haven't, I haven't actually set up any time to do them. They just kind of take care of themselves. I, I don't know if that's making any sense, but it, it certainly works and, and it happens for me. And that's just like a bonus. That really does, Barry. It reminds me to a system that I used to use. You know, when something works really, really well, you stop doing it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I had a, I used a journal and I would actually fold the pages so crease the page down the middle and then as you say left hand side was what i used to call imperative tasks and on the right yeah. hand side the you know would like to do and the phone calls and things like that so that's a great reminder for me as well and and i've picked that out that's on i'm going to give some page references so people can jump to these things on on page 34 I love the a b c d e so that's what you're referring to isn't it and determining what yes. you must do and I do now, I'm a bit of an electronic convert. I do use my iPhone and I, I do use the to-do list on that iPhone. And I did exactly, you know, immediately I saw this. I thought, right, I'm going to set my, my to-do list. And I like to call it a do list because obviously to-do is, you know, at some stage I'm going to get round to it. But if you call it a do list, then you're absolutely going to do it. And I love that. A, B, C, D method, you know, A being something you must do, B, you should do, C, nice to do, D is delegate, and E is eliminate altogether. So I, uh, yeah, got a lot from that. Brilliant, brilliant. Anything else jumped out at you from there, from the, the Yeah, book a general? couple of other things that, 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 that were really, really helpful to me. Um, and that was, it was, I think it was part of that, what you just mentioned was the, was the time wasting thing? You know, I, I always remember the great quote. It wasn't in the book, but it was a great quote that I, I was at a, I was at an event somewhere, and, and one of the leaders that I was listening to uh, said it. You know, and I'm, I'm quite often at the back of the room with with a pen and paper myself, just like everybody else. Um, and that was, don't let anybody waste your time twice. And I that just stuck with me. So when I read the bit he said about time wasting yeah. and time wasters. I'm, I'm, you know, and I also remember Steve Critchley does a great, a great training about, uh, about how he used to manage his time and how protective he was of his time. And, and that's another message, underlying message that Brian Tracy gets across in the book is, is to be so protective of, of your time. I've got to be honest, it's only more recently I've become very protective of my own time. I used to, you know, I'd let, I'd let people waste my time. I'd let people take my time over things that, you know, when I'm, I'm really, I want to be doing other things. And then that puts me under pressure, yeah. you know, so there's the, the benefit is always to yourself. Um, and, and so that was, that was, that was powerful. Um, you know, not, not letting anybody wait, help helping myself by not letting people waste my time. That's a great tip. It reminds me actually, he talks about it in, in the book as well, a great time saver that I've used. I taught time management with the franchise that I've got and a lot of the techniques, he may have labeled them differently, but they're exactly the same. And I've always used a system and you sort of mentioned it called a conference planner. And what that is, is I have the name of people that I have quite a bit of 
you know, quite a few conversations with, we engage quite often, and I will list all the things that I want to speak to that person about rather than phone them and then, I don't know whether this has ever happened, and and you, you can't remember what you wanted to talk to them about or they phone you and you've, you know. <laughs> so by keeping a list of all the things that you want to discuss with somebody, you protect your, their time and your own time. And what I found by doing this is when people called me or when I called them, they recognised immediately that I wasn't going to waste their time because I've got a list of things that I want to talk to them about. And in return, they stopped wasting my time because they recognise, right, if I'm going to talk to Chris, I need to have my ducks in a row. I need to know exactly what I'm going to be talking about. So that is so, so important. Really, really, mm. really is. Brilliant. Anything else there, Barry? Yeah, I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you something else which... which... Again, uh, when I first read it, I've got to be honest, I didn't really get how it, saved, how it would save me time, but I'm, I'm just a testimony to it, I guess. And that's, uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember the exact term now. You know when he talks about doing all your phone calls in one go? Um, Back, batching them. Group, batching batching it. it. Batching it, bunching, it. Bunching, bunch yep. your calls. Yep. That's it, bunching your calls. Uh, again, wow. Um, you know, just like everybody else, I, I'm in business myself, just like everyone in, in, in you know, the industry of network marketing and direct sales. Um, you know, I have to make tough calls myself. I have to chase up credit cards. I have to follow up, you know, people that, that's cards have declined. And and it's not it's not the best job in the world. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those jobs where you know, there is a bit of rejection there. And, and, you know, it's not always, especially at the moment in this last year, you know, since COVID, where there are some people that I'm calling that are, aren't necessarily in, in, in the, in, they could be in a low mood. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, they're, they're quite tough calls at times, but guess what? When I bunch them and I look at it, it's, you know, I might look at, I remember the last time I did it, which was not this week, last week. So I had 22 calls. Yeah. I did all those calls within an hour, Chris. And I, I mean, they went very well as well, by the way, yeah. but I did them all in an hour. Just one, I literally pick up the phone, make the call, speak to somebody down next number next 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 and uh, i mean i get my i, I was in I, i'm in a good mood when i'm making the calls yeah. i stay in the good mood you know it's just that was so powerful for me what i didn't really appreciate was how much time it would save me yeah and again it's one of those things it's a bit like when you do your priorities and, and you get you get the worst things done first you just relax then the, the rest of the day is yours you, you know everything else kind of takes care of itself because you've done the most important things. Yeah. I mean, what I'm doing there, they're income generating calls as well, which, you know, it comes back to the same principle, you know, one, it's a priority, but two, if I do them as a bunch, if I do them all together and get them done, then I just feel great afterwards. So that was a, that was another one that was real. That just made a big impact on me more recently, that one, um, probably yeah. in the last three or four months. And it's important, isn't it, Barry, around the phone is to manage that time around the phone. Batching things together is is really, really important. And the other thing I started doing, it's a few years ago, and people who try and reach me will now recognise one of the one of the things that I do. I never, ever have my phone ringing out. It's always on silent because I decide when I'm going to use my phone. So like yeah. you, I batch those outgoing phone calls, but equally, I'll only switch my phone on if I'm in a position to take calls. And I, I drive safely, I've got hands-free, but that's generally when I'm hands-free in the car or when I'm doing what I call a low-payoff activity where I'm happy for a call to come in to me. 
But if that is not the case, my phone's on silent. Because if it's important, people will leave a message, won't they? And you can always get back to them. And again, you then batch those return calls into all those other calls that you're making as well. And people, as long as they know that you're going to get back to them, they they appreciate that as well. So good tip. Yes. Excellent. Brilliant. Anything else in there, Barry? That Yeah, another, another of the bits that, that again, helped me was, and I think it's really current at the moment. I'm just trying to remember what it was actually, what he calls it. It's where he talks about work when you work. I don't know if that's the actual term now. I'll have to try. Let me just try and find it. Basically, the, the, the principle is, is when you're at work, work. Yeah. And when you're not at work, you're not working. That's it. You switch it all off. And, and my, my days have gone from being very long days because I, I, do, I do work from home. I have worked from home for, for, for quite a while over the past 24 years. So it's one of those things. I ha again, it, it rolls into being protective of your own time. Um, but work when you know work when you're working work and when you're not working play or do whatever else that you want to do rest whatever else you want to do but that that made a big difference to me because I found certainly when I first started working from home it was very easy to let the work the work dictated what I did and and, and I would pick up the phone at, at seven in the morning if I was up I would pick up the phone if somebody called at eight in the evening you know, a bit like you were saying earlier about you, you being protective of your phone. Um, I would respond to emails at all hours. Just again, it's another of those things. And, and there's, he talks about emails in there. It's all in one section where it's it's, it's like bunching, bunching your phone calls up, bunching up when you do all your emails, yeah. work when you work. And that whole section just made me more productive, but also it freed up time for me time that otherwise I, I i was probably wasting to be honest prior to that uh, and we all waste time yeah and and, and you know that it's there's no perfect scenario there and and you know sometimes i choose to waste time yeah but i'm aware that i'm choosing to waste time you know and so that whole section just had such an impact on me and and, and again something that i read recently not in this particular book but again it resonated with me and it it's something i saved and i save stuff all the time for blogs and and books and things like that and it was there's no such thing as spare time right hello barry hello chris you, you went then <laughs> i just went quiet because i just think it's such a i remember when i keep I first... doing that don't i keep spoiling yeah. your silence. yeah no it's fine i like i like the pause i like the quiet <laughs> Um, there's no such thing as spare time. And the other thing that came to mind whilst we went quiet there, and this is sometimes the power of just going quiet and pausing. I said, there's no such thing as spare time. Well, there's also no such thing as free time. Wow. Yeah. Which actually leads me on to, there's no such thing as downtime. You know, what's downtime? It's a term. There's no such thing as downtime. I mean, all we've got is lifetime, you know, and, and it's, up, it's up to us what we do with that and, and how we, you know, how we use that to the best, to the best of our ability for, you know, for what we want and for, you know, what's important to us and what's important to the, the people that surround us. Yeah, very interesting. That is interesting. And, uh, that, they, those three things didn't come from the book, but they're, it's the underlying message of the book, I think. They're important messages as well, Barry, because... The beginning of the book talks about the psychology of time management and 
there's a lot of people going to be listening to this, rather like you and I discussing it, and they're going to go, I know that already. And what's yeah. interesting in life is we actually, we may, there might be something brand new in the book, a new take on an idea. I'm sure there will be, there has been for me, and I've studied this subject quite intensively. But the key to this is not knowing what to do, it's, it's, it's actually doing it. And the psychology behind managing your time is really, really, really important. Because if you've got no reason to manage your time better, to make the most use of the time, I always say you can't manage time, actually. It's a bit of an anomaly because it just tick, 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 ticks away, whatever you do, doesn't it? You're not managing yeah. that. You are taking personal responsibility for how you use the time that you've got available. And that's really, really important. I read your blog post today and you ended with a, with a lovely saying, Talk to us a little bit more about that, the importance. We need to know why we've got to make the most of our time. And you've you've worked on this a lot, and especially with those, what you've just said there. Where have you done that research? And could you give the listeners that insight that you've now got, how important it is to make the most use of your time so that they'll then feel more motivated, more reason to go and do it? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a great example of that, which is, is very current and it's still a little bit raw, if I'm honest. Um, so on Monday night of this week, I was out walking. I, I go, I walk every day and quite like walking in the dark recently. And I, I'm very fortunate in that I live on the River Thames. So uh, I out, out the back of my house and within a couple of minutes, I'm on the river going either left or right. And yeah, all, all beautiful, quiet walk. I'm out for about an hour and, and I keep hearing the phone pinging. I'm actually listening to something as well, to be fair. Yeah. Like you, I, I, I listen a lot to, um, you know, stuff that I'm studying. Um, and when I got, I didn't, I didn't look at my phone, but uh, when I got back, I, you know, I wonder who all these texts were from. It actually wasn't text. It was, it was, it was social media in that. Um, but what I found out from that is, is that, that one of my school friends, a very good friend of mine, Clive, Clive uh, Mitchell, uh, had just been diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, and as I say, it's it's a little bit raw for me still at the moment. And I have spoken, I've spoken with him um, to the best of his ability at the moment. Obviously, you know he's in a in a very trying place at the moment. Uh, you know, real it's a real sort of challenge. Is there is a positive positive as well in that he he's actually beaten bowel cancer before. But you know, obviously brain cancer. This is a it's a new it's a new challenge for him. But Again, what that did for me, it just it brought home my own mortality, and, and that's what these sort of things tend to do. And, and I know about everybody else, but certainly when I hear of things, you know, there are people getting ill or um, you know infirmed or or, or passing. Um, every time it's, it's, it brings home to me what, what's what's important. What, what do I want to do? What do I want to do when I'm still here? You know, when I still got that time, and, and what am I going to do with the time that I have got left? You know, because um, it's it's nobody knows. Nobody knows what's around the corner. We you know never we, we never know what's around the corner. And so I, I can't remember the wording at the moment. I haven't got access to my blog, but it, it is something along the lines of. I know it's at the bottom of all of my blogs because I remember when I read it, it impacted me. It made such a difference. And that you know we all we've all got a category of, of a list of things that we want to do. You know, do them, do them whenever you can. Do them as quickly as you can. Work out what's important to you, to you, to you and your loved ones and to your family. And, 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 you know, do those things. Spend the time because who knows? We don't know. We can only live in the present. There's only today. Um, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Absolutely. So that's where it all came from, ultimately. And uh, as I said, everywhere you look these days, I feel anyway, 
there's always lessons and there's always other pointers you know put, we're being pointed in a direction to to make the most of what we do have and when we can you know when we can do these things that to me is is very very important yeah well i've got your quote here barry it says one day you will wake up and there won't be any more time to do the things you've always wanted to do so do it now mm. and uh, while we're sharing stories and i think sure is stories help people to internalize the reasons why making the most of the time you've got available i i've had a similar experience and there's it's a sad story but there's a gift and i think there's it's really really important like you say barry is looking for the gift in things it makes you realize and this was life-changing for me i am a big advocate i like to surround myself with what i call success buddies so these are my peers and remember jim Rohn tells us you become the average of the five people you spend most time with so i pay a lot of attention to who i spend time with and i've got a bunch of people in my life that i meet up with regularly for positive reinforcement i can attitude and that type of thing and years ago i've got a buddy called chris now he's a property developer and he was a, what i call a proper property developer i'm not talking landlord he's he, used to build blocks of flats, had 70-odd properties around the Midlands area where I live. And Chris and I used to meet every Friday as success buddies, either on the phone or face-to-face -face at lunch. And we'd hold each other to account and we'd, we'd set a personal goal and a business goal, meet next week, you know, have you done this, have you done that? And we'd, we'd really encourage each other to do stuff. And Chris came to me, I'll never forget it, in the July 2011, and he said to me, Mate, I've got this mole on my elbow, but it's going to be okay. They're going to cut it out. Well, they did cut that mole out of his elbow. Then they took away his lymph glands, and this was in the July. He was dead by January. <sighs> now, I expect older people to die. We're not going to live forever. We know that. It's about making the most of the time. But Chris was 46. He left a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And one of the things he always used to say to me, after my next deal... We're going to go and live in Thailand. He made a lot of money. I'm going to spend time with the family because what he didn't do was spend time with the family. And in those last yeah. six months, he got as fit as he's ever got, which was he'd never run, he'd never ridden a bike. I got him doing all of that. We were writing together a book called How Cancer Saved My Life. He was doing all the things he wished he'd done, but he had to wait until he'd got a, a serious illness diagnosis. And we did think he was going to survive it. Unfortunately, he didn't survive it. And a couple of things I remember from that. I can remember going out for a curry with him, and by this time he's in a wheelchair. And we're all pretty sorry for him, but we're all trying to be really, really positive. And he, he literally said to us, he said, guys, don't feel sorry for me. He says, I know how long I've got. You don't. Yeah. And we don't do it. We don't know what's coming round the corner. Chris passed away, and the where where... Like you say, you think of your own mortality. I was older than Chris. My youngest lad was 18 and he'd gone off for his gap year. I was too young to have ever had a gap year. And that's where, and I train and I tell people to live their life, you know, live in the moment, travel, do all your stuff. And I said to Tina, my wife, that's it. We've got to go. I've got to be authentic. And I don't know if you remember, but that was when I went yeah. off in my motor home and we rented the house out and we just went. And... It was the best thing I've ever done. I don't think we ever realise the stress we're under until you're under no stress. When you travel endlessly, time actually stands still. A real wise guy, you know, mentor said to me before I went, he said, Chris, you will find that 
everything slows down in your life when you just you've got no deadlines no stress no text no emails no nothing and such a pleasurable experience and I joke about it now but when you are de-stressed you've got no telly and it's raining outside things happen and that's how Tina got pregnant and it's changed our <laughs> lives and I, every time I look at Libby I look at the gift that Chris has given because Tina never thought she could have a child so in a way Chris did leave me an amazing legacy and a reminder to make the most of life and one coaching question and this was a coaching question I asked myself and I encourage everybody to ask themselves this if you uh, were told you'd only got a year to live, you're going to be fit and healthy, but you've got 12 months to go now, what would you do? Would you do what you're doing now? Would you waste any time at all? And I think it's a good lesson to just pull yourself up and, and say that to yourself. So, yeah, to important. I think it's important to, to recognise that, Bowen. And again, great reasons for making the most of your time, isn't it, mate? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, so key. Well, it reminds me of, I, I pinched this. People have heard me say this when I speak. I actually pinched it or borrowed it off Brad Sugars. And I went to a seminar and he got everybody to put that. He, he said, put your hand up if you want to live to be at least 80 years old and be fit and well and healthy. And you know, most people put the hand up. And, and in fact, 80 years is the combined average lifespan of the male female population in the UK right now. So from an actuarial point of view, he said, you know what? 80 years is approximately 4,000 weeks. Now, I don't know about you, Barry, or anybody on the call, but does 4,000 weeks sound anywhere near as long as 80 years to you? No. And I encourage people who are listening now, write down how many weeks you've got left. Give yourself a rain check. And some people on the call are going to go, I don't want to know. I'm going to bury my head in the sand on a pretend nervous laughter when I do this in workshops. But my suggestion is, Draw a line in the sand instead of burying your head in the sand and make a decision to make the most of it because it's not a dress rehearsal. Some people have a belief system, they're coming back. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, but my attitude is, Barry, make the most of this first life and if I get a second one, get in there as well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant stuff. Hopefully Hopefully you've given everybody a reason to pay attention to making the most of their time. Uh, so I think that's a very important message. Any other things in there that uh, jumped out at you, Barry? I love the bit at the back, obviously. it's, uh, it's he, He's always been a, a big um, salesman for reading and for personal development. And uh, he's, he's got a lovely little chapter at the back, hasn't he, about you know what, what you're reading and investing in yourself. Yep. Yeah, and he was a big reader, wasn't he? Obviously, there wasn't as many when he was he was doing his his development. It wasn't as many maxims as there were now. There, were, you know, there wasn't things like Audible, but it was all to do with physical books then. But you know, he he was always a he, he walked his talk as well. He I know he was always you know he, he used to invest. Uh, I can't remember the percentage now. It isn't in this book, but this is this is going back. And I know you know him from before this book as well, Chris. He used to invest back into his personal development a percentage of his of his salary every year. Yeah. So even even when it was going up, and at one point, I mean, I know he was earning hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, but he would reinvest that same amount back into his own personal development. You know, and, and this is a guy that was at one point was probably up there with Tony Robbins. He was, you know, certainly in Canada, but but also in in all well, all of North America, I guess. He was the one, he was the one, especially corporately, that people used to go and see. And, 
used to used to command a huge fee for that. Yeah. And and he would he would reinvest that money back into his own development. So one week he'd be at the seminar, giving the seminar, uh, you know, giving a, a, a seminar that might be costing five, ten, ten thousand, five to ten thousand dollars to be in. And the next weekend he'd be paying five to ten thousand dollars, sat in the back of the room or the front of the room, probably, you know, taking notes and, and, and developing himself. And, and I love that about him. And he never changed. He never changed that. He, he was always, you know, working on himself and encouraging other people to work on themselves. And at the back of the book, got the chapter about about seminars, attending seminars, about reading what you read, you know, and, and he lived he lived what he talked about. And, and, and again, that to me, that's you, you've mentioned a few times today about, about authenticity. Well, that, you know, that's authenticity. Absolutely. He's such a powerful character and such a powerful teacher and coach. Yeah. I listen to Darren Hardy, Darren's Daily Every Day. <laughs> yeah. I, I create what I call a trigger habit. So every time I brush my teeth, I listen to Darren Hardy. Just I've got to brush my teeth, haven't I? Barry Zig Ziglar says, you know, you don't brush the ones you don't want to keep. So I'm doing that and I'm listening to Darren Hardy. And he said that last week and success does leave clues that the best investment you can make is in yourself. And he recommends 10% for investments in making money work for you and 10% in you. But the 10% in you is always going to be the best. And recently I've got a lot of people and there's a lot of people out there talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and what shall I do with this? And I'll grab a bit here and grab a bit there. <laughs> what I'd say, the best investment, invest in yourself because that'll never go down. You haven't got to worry about anything, have you, if you invest in yourself because you're going to become yeah. a better version and nobody can take that away. Whereas put that into a cryptocurrency and you just don't know which way that's going to go. Well, there's one guarantee. No. Invest in yourself. There's only one way, isn't there, Barry? And that is up. The other thing that came to mind there when I was listening to you then was uh, on our bookmark. And, and I always remember this came from Brian Tracy. This came from Brian Tracy 24 years ago when I first started Knowledge is King. Yeah. He said, the more, the more you learn, the more you earn. And yeah. that's on all of our bookmarks. Yeah. It's been a strap line of our business. And, and it's so, so true. So, so, true. so in terms of an investment, you do see a return on your investment, yeah. you know, because you will earn more money no matter what you do as you learn. And on that note, you've got a fabulous seminar coming up. I know I've booked on to it. Would you like to just tell us a little bit more about what's coming up in the very near yeah, future sure. we've, we've, and Knowledge got, King events? Yeah, we've got, um, we've got Dr. Tom Barrett on the 20th and 21st um, this month, March. Yeah. Uh, which is a Saturday and a Sunday. It's uh, it's in the afternoon. It's 4.30 till uh, 4.30 p.m. till 9.30 p.m. both days, but it's also going to be recorded. So, you know, anybody that, that, that buys the ticket will get the access to the whole of the recording. You can watch as many times as you want for 30 days. Yeah. You'll have that recorded for 30 days. Uh, and, yeah, we've got Dr. Tom Barrett, who for the past 11 years we've worked with Dr. Tom. I know you've seen him many a time and you've learned lots of stuff from him. Yeah. And he's just the nicest, humblest man I think I've ever met, to be honest. He's, he's just a, a joy to work with. Very, very knowledgeable. Uh, he seems to have this knack of, if you've got something holding you back, he'll address it, whether it's in one of his books or whether it's at the seminar he just seems to have this knack of, 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 you know, speaking to you personally. It's like he's speaking to you personally. Yeah. You could be in a room of 500 people and you'd be sat there thinking, how does he know that's what's holding me back? How does he know that's what I'm thinking? 
he just seems to have that knack of giving people what they need at that time. Yeah. So we got Dr. Tom, but we've also got uh, Andrea Waltz, the author of Go For No. She's doing a slot on the Saturday. And on the Sunday, we've got the two authors of the book, The Consistency Chain, which is one of our, has been in fact, has been our best-selling book in 2020. Uh, was a previous book of the month, which I think just resonated with everyone, which is all about the 80-20 rule and how to implement it into your own life, your own business. And, and I know we had a conversation the other day about the 80-20 rule and how I've yeah. been I've been using that in my own business recently. That's right. Um, we, I need you to yeah. cover that as well. I've got that on my list. Yeah. COVID has taught me, probably the biggest lesson COVID has taught me is to adapt. I've got to be honest, I'm just like most people, I think. I do resist change. I'm not, um, I'm, I don't embrace change as quickly as I, as, as some people do, but I'm learning and I'm getting better. Yeah. And um, one of the things that, that we realized when, uh, you know, when, we probably within a month of, in fact, it wasn't even a month. It was, it was really quick. And, and, and it was actually, it was to do with, uh, with express day. So we were, we were uh, two, three days away from going to express day. We had all the stock here for us was about 40 grand's worth of stock. It was all set to go boxed up and ready van booked everything. It was that close. And unfortunately because of, you know, lockdown and, and I totally understand it was the right decision to make. It had to be made, you know, it was cancelled. This was the 2020 Express Day. And so we were, when we went into lockdown in, in whenever it was, April of last year, uh, March, April, May, April, yeah, um, we were sat on 40 grand's worth of stock and with no events you know, or any way of moving it. So we've been creative. We've, we've turned the stock, the majority of that stock back into money. But what that made us realise, and this, this was, was still amazing to me, uh, even though I've heard about the 80-20 rule for so, so long, was it was so true in our business, just like every everything else. So ultimately, 20% of our books made up 80% of our business. Right. So what we did is we turned the 80% back into money and we stocked the 20%. Now that's that's whilst we're in, you know, in the situation we're in with a lockdown where we aren't doing physical events. It will change, you know, when, when we go back to doing physical events and, and you know, I really hope that that's just going to be as soon as possible. And I so look forward to it. You know, we'll restock some of these other titles, but some of them, we just didn't need them for us. They were just sat on the shelves collecting dust. In fact, one of my jobs during the lockdown was to dust the, you know, the, the, the top copy of, of, of all the books in the, in the bookshelves, on the bookshelves. And so it was really interesting, but it was, it was something that it was one of these instances where we adapted to what, what has happened and, and, and the change and and you know we put ourselves in a much better position financially and going forward we probably won't ever need to hold the kind of stock that we were holding before and ultimately i've since i spoke to you i've had a chance to reflect on that yeah and i wonder i asked myself the question you know why did we do what we used to do and do you know what all it was chris it was just a habit yeah but all those years, since we've been doing big events, and you know, I'm talking anything up to 20,000 people, we've always thought we've, we, you know, we've got to have 40 grand's worth of stock. It's not true, just not true. So our cash flow is in a much better position than it's ever been, and and that was due to lot uh, due to you know COVID to the pandemic, uh, and to the 80/20 rule. You know, obviously the 80/20 rule was was just uh, a real eye opener for me in terms of implementing it into our business, into my business. So yeah, that was an interesting, uh, really interesting learn, Matt. 
and no, that, that came is. about as part of the consistency chain. You know, obviously they 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 tweaked my memory of the eighty twenty rule and, and and made me look at uh, my business from an eighty twenty perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting what you say there because they call it Pareto's law, don't they? Because Pareto was a an Italian economist, I believe, back in the eighteen hundreds, and he came up with this law. We are very accepting of it. It plays out. Only 20% of gym members turn up at the gym. And uh, yeah. you know, I think when we look at our network marketing teams, 20% of the people give 80% of the results, don't they, the productivity? Yeah. And I think it's good to question it, though, because it's something I wanted to mention. Some research that I've done around this, how you can actually change that. They often say you'll get 80% of the stuff done in the 20% of the time you've got left. But if you pay attention to it, if your Raz is working on it, like you say, if you become aware, one of the things he mentions in the book is what he calls key result areas. I call them high payoff activities based on the the seminars and courses that, that I've run in the past. They are money generating activities, but they're the things that are going to give you a result. And the reality is because of this 80-20, often only 20% of the things we do give us the 80% of our results. And if we paid attention and identified the things that were going to give us a result and just did them rather like you've done with your book stock, then you're going to be able to, without spending any more time, make even more of your time. And I wanted to share with the audience, for those who are in network marketing, I've done a bit of work on this. Now, this will vary with different people, but I was going to share my top six key result areas or, or what I call high payoff activities. So you've got two activities. High payoff is going to give you a result. Low payoff doesn't give you a result. And actually, you should be, where possible, delegating all those things that don't give you a result. But we live in the real world, so some of those we do have to do. But my high payoff activities relative to my network marketing business is the number one thing is to plan and goal set. One of the things that Brian mentions in this is if you spend time planning, you can implement that plan 10 times more effectively. And too many of us are thinking, well, I haven't got time to plan. Well, you have time to put all your mistakes right. So what about if you spend a little bit of time planning it out first? So number one is is really recognize your goals, make a plan to achieve those goals. Number two is, I call it prospecting. Paul J. Meyer, who's a real mentor of mine, and also Darren Hardy, actually, and he set up the franchise that I've got. But Paul J. Meyer said, you can have the best story in the world, but if you've got nobody to tell it to, it's a complete waste of time. And prospecting really means making a list of the people that you know. It means connecting with them, so dialing on your phone. It might be network events, it might be various ways, but anything that is involved in building your list, that is a prospecting activity. And you've got to do that first. It's no good being a great presenter and knowing everything by heart if you've got nobody to tell. So number three <laughs> then is, you can call it a presentation or showing. You just need to show what you've got. And the, that is an absolute high power activity. I used to say face-to-face -face because it's far better to be face-to-face, -face, but it can be done on Zoom now. We've all got used to the technology. So getting together with somebody and showing them what you've got is absolutely key, and you've got to do that. You've got to be able to show them that. The fourth thing, which I think is imperative, and that is to measure and track. And it's a, it's a stage a lot of people miss out. You've heard of the 
plan, do and review. Well, to be effective, you need to actually make the plan. You need to do something. So do your prospecting, do your presentations, but then work out what's working and check what method of prospecting works for you and then feed back into the loop so that you improve that. I, I remember a partner coming up to me once and he, he used to hand hand stuff out at the railway station and put thing, let, uh, things through people's doors. And I used to, he was driving him mad. He said, Chris, you know, this is driving me mad. I said, well, how's it working? He said, well, I'm handing thousands of these things out. I said, what sort of results are you getting? He said, nothing yet. I said, well, isn't that telling you something? You know, So really important we, we measure those. The fifth high path activity for me is coaching and mentoring, and that is your team and the people that you bring in. And people generally, that is really, really, really important to give people that helping hand. And number six for me, personal development, which is mind and body. So not just reading the books, Barry, not just going on the seminars, not just growing, which I heard the other day, growth is a definition of success. If you're growing, you feel successful, but also your body, you know, movement, keeping yourself fit, because I know you do your yoga and your walk, and that is so important. So those are my top six high power activities or key result areas i'll post them into the episode notes as well so have you have you got a list of your key activities that you do barry well you just reminded me of one i didn't mention earlier which i i did see again being honest this isn't something i got from brian tracy's time management book but it's in there yep. um but that's about being present and and one of the things you know it's one of those sort of things everybody's talking about it these days but with for me it's about well how how do i make that work in my in my life in, in my work life what i've started to do again probably the last couple of years this has been and it makes such a difference is to just be really present in everything that i do so i'm doing one task and that's all i'm doing i'm not thinking about the next three things i've got to do or the next thing i've got to do or what i'm having for dinner what my yoga class is going to be like tonight or tomorrow morning I'm in that task. I'm present. I'm going to do that one task and I'm going to do it properly, effectively until it's finished. Then I move on to the next. So a bit like we talked about earlier, where I said about the, you know, where I just do it in, in, in my day book. So on my left hand side is my priorities. The f number one priority is the first thing I do. And I don't do or even think about if I, if I can help it. And I'm not I'm not perfect. I do some my mind wanders. I have all the thoughts that everyone else has. Yeah. But I try and be as present as I can be in task one until task one is completed. Then I'm on to task two, three, four, whatever it is that particular day. And again, that, that to me, that takes the pressure off of me. I feel more at peace when, I'm, when I do things like that. And, and, I, and I can't explain this, but, but people trust me. You just get more done. You just get more of the important things done. And that's all that matters. You know, and so for me, I guess the last, certainly since lockdown, but, but probably just prior to that, the most important thing is, is working out what the important things are first and then doing them one step at a time, being present, doing them properly uh, to, to, to completion and then moving on to the next thing and not moving on to the next thing, not just physically moving on to the next thing, but mentally as well. You know, I mean, I, I used to be, I, I used to think I could multitask. And I'd hear this thing, you know, people would say, oh, you know, men can't multitask. Don't, don't ever try it, Barry. And I'd say, well, I can. And so I'd try it. And then every now and again, I would be able to do two or three things. But guess what? I never did any one of those two or three things properly to completion. 
you know, as, as, as well as I could have done. Whereas now, if all I've got to do is find the first, the most important thing I've got to do each day and then do that properly, it's, it's just so freeing. It really is. It just makes it, it makes life just so much simpler. I, I, you know, that's what's happened for me. That's been my experience and, and, and everything else kind of just takes care of itself. And so that inadvertently, I guess, I, I've, I've come across that. And all of those principles, by the way, they are in, the, in Brian's book. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, he talks about staying present and, and getting the things done. And as I said, it's something that's, that's that I've been on a journey in the last couple of years in my own life, not just in, in business, but everywhere and, and, and everything I do. I try and be as present as I can be with no distractions. He talks about no distractions and, you know, it's made such a difference. Uh, and that, they'd, be my, they'd be my key takeaways interesting yeah that's uh, i was looking it up it's in um under setting your priorities actually set clear priorities at page number 40 if anybody's reading along to the podcast <laughs> brilliant and this distraction thing again i'm, I'm not going to claim this is my idea but i heard a wonderful saying barry because sometimes these sound bites really do stick in your mind so this was darren hardy again and he he was talking about time as well. It's all, all anybody who's ever been successful pays attention, as we said to this. And he came up with this saying for me, and some of you may have heard it, but he talked about WMDs. And if years ago in the Cold War, we talked about weapons of mass destruction, and it was in the news, and everybody was really, really nervous about it. And he pointed out that actually. WMDs are even more dangerous now than they've ever been, but he calls them weapons of mass distraction. And I thought that is such a cool idea, isn't it? Weapons of mass distraction, because we are more easily distracted, I think, now. And I'm a baby boomer. I don't know about you, Barry, but we didn't get a TV till I was eight years old, you know, get the violins <laughs> out and all of that. But it does, we do get easily distracted by things. And these things that do distract us, like a lot of the social media platforms, are designed to give us that dopamine hit that we all crave. You know, I'm, I, the only way I can stop going down the Facebook rabbit hole is just not going on Facebook. And yeah. it's so, so important just, I think, to be aware that they are, it is a weapon and it's actually taking, it can steal your dreams because it's not time we lack in life. We've all born with 168 hours in the week. And if we work 70 hours and if we sleep eight hours every night, which is 56 hours, we've still got 42 hours a week left. We could, we could have another day job, but instead those 42 hours can get sucked up in the weapons of mass distraction. And that could be, it used to be the television. The average person used to watch about 40 hours of TV a week. I always used to say, well, if you're above average, do you watch more? But <laughs> TV screens are being taken over by Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Clubhouse, all of these things. And they are designed to just sell us some stuff. It's just an advertising platform to, to keep our attention. So just beware weapons of mass distraction. And I think I want to put that up on my wall because I'm, we're all actually, I don't know, Barry, have you got a strategy to avoid getting sucked in or have you ever been sucked into any of this stuff? Uh, it's one of, you know, it's one of those things that you, you mentioned this earlier, probably most people that are listening to this, they're not going to want to hear this, but it's, it's what works for me, Chris. I can't see my mobile phone at the moment. Um, well, I know I'm talking through it, but a lot of the time I haven't even got a mobile phone with me. 
Um, you know, I go and play golf, I leave it in the car, I go to events, so sometimes I leave it in the car. And sometimes people can't get their head around that. But, you know, I, I'm not big into, into, into Facebook and, and I don't think I ever will be, if I'm, if I'm honest, because I've done just like everybody else has done. I've, I remember right in the early days when it first sort of came, I went on there to try and find somebody, to talk to somebody about an event. It was somebody who's going to promote something from the, the stage for me. And, and somebody said to me, I think Paolo said to me, I'll oh, get, get her on, um, get her on Facebook. And I went on Facebook and I'm not exaggerating. This is a true story. This is probably five or six, seven or eight years ago. I spent half an hour on Facebook. I'm in the office, sat next, Paolo's on the next desk, the adjoining desk. And after about half an hour, I turned around to him and I said, what did I go on here for? <laughs> I hadn't been in touch with Juliana. I hadn't, you know, I, I, it was unbelievable. And it was so, I'm so glad it happened because it, it was, it was a long time ago. But I, it stuck with me and I just thought, wow, that's how dangerous it can be. That's how distracting. And, and, and you know, guess what? I got nothing out of that half an hour. I probably felt worse at the end of it than I did when I, cause I was looking at all these, you know, these amazing lifestyles and, and things that, that people are, portraying on there which i don't always think is true and, and sometimes i was looking at fake news and do you know what i mean it was just like wow and i'm so pleased that happened and i can remember it as though it was yesterday but it was it was a long time ago now so i i didn't i haven't really bought into it chris and and i'll also be honest and say that it, it's slightly detrimental to my business you know i haven't moved with the times and, and maybe i i need to try and get a balance and i was on a zoom call last night where i heard an amazing story about a, a a 22-year-old Down syndrome girl who got lost in Jerusalem. I was I was listening in. I was talking to somebody from Israel who, who it was her. It's actually her daughter. She, her daughter with Down syndrome had gone to school. She had been um, she'd been at school all day. Um, she didn't come home from school. Uh, her mum got alerted that she hadn't got to her house because she lives she, she lives in a care home. Uh, supported assisted support support home she, her mum got alerted she hadn't come, come home from school her mum didn't panic her mum thought she'll be okay she just had this sense and this knowing that she'd be okay but ultimately the police got involved and 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 then her, her son and uh, two sons and daughters they started going on social media and asking has anybody seen you know i can't remember the girl's name now has anybody seen her guess what within an hour through facebook they found her yeah. And she, she, unfortunately, she had got lost. She, she, she'd attempted to walk home and she hadn't taken the assisted um, transport. She'd attempted to walk home and, and bless her. She, she'd walked home to her, the old house, not her new house. She was in that area, but, but somebody saw her on Facebook and, and, and she, you know, the, it was, it was a great story. And, you know, obviously they were all reunited very quickly. I thought, wow. Yeah. And, and this, you know, this woman was saying, bless Facebook, bless Facebook. And yes, just like everything, there's lots of positive things, but there's also, there can be negatives. And, and I think you've just got to try and get that balance. That's, that's, my, that's my take on it. I don't know if that all makes sense, but yeah, that's something that actually happened last night. And I just thought, wow, yeah. It made me look at Facebook a little bit differently as well, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Well, it's like a lot of things as good and bad in everything, isn't there? Or, or as the Stoics are saying, nothing's good and nothing's bad. It's just mm. is. And, yeah, Facebook can do a lot of great things. I think it's providing people with a lot of connection in lockdown. It really makes, you know, you can connect with people and we need that more more than ever. So it is, like you say, managing it, managing it in a way. And 
any tips? Um, I've read a book called Digital Minimalism, and that really gave me some ideas. I've watched that, uh, what is it, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, just to give, gave me a little bit more of an insight, and I guess to motivate me to manage my social media a little bit more. So I, I have kept away from Facebook quite a bit. I just use it for the team, um, and it, it I've, I'm glad I've been able to do that. But it doesn't stop you every now and then, like you say, going down that rabbit hole, does it? Yeah, and, and, and again, the other thing that comes to mind here, and he didn't talk about Facebook in this book, by the way, because I think he wrote this book before Facebook was really as prevalent as it is now. But he did talk about emails, and I remember the bit he said about emails. And again, I do this. You know, it's very easy. If you're in front of a computer most of the day, which I am certainly at the moment since since lockdown, I'm in front of a computer every day, you know, most, most working days. Anytime that I'm actually at work, I'm in front of a computer. It's very easy to see your emails. You see them coming in, you hear a ping, or you, you see the little right-hand box where it comes in. And that's a distraction in itself. Whereas what he talks about is batching your emails. So, or batching the time that you do emails, where you do maybe first thing in the morning, maybe last thing at night. Again, that just saves me so much time. Frees me up, frees me to be present in, in, in the things I was doing. So it's kind of, I guess a lot of the stuff that we've shared on this call, you can you can you can relate to social media as well. Yeah, there's nothing nothing wrong with people going on social media, but be you know be balanced with it. You know, be selective with it. Don't let it waste your time. Use it use it properly and allocate time for it. Maybe that's what comes to my mind. Allocate time for it. Yeah. You know, there's a time and a place for it. Maybe. Just like some of that might be business. I know people use it for business and they also, you know, get distracted and, and, and even when they're looking at it from business, you might see something personal. So I don't know. It's, I, I really think the balance thing is the key here. Yeah. That's what's coming to mind at the moment. Just try and find a balance um, and, and don't, let, don't let these maxims take over your life to the detriment of your life. I think that's the other thing. You know, if, if you are being proactive, and I do know people that use, you know, use social media within their businesses very successfully. Yeah. If if it's not for business, maybe allocate some time outside of business time. So you, maybe you don't go on it in business time. It's just coming to mind. Yeah. It reminded me, he, he gave a tip on emails. And although I don't, I'm not as inundated with I suppose emails that need action immediately as much as I used to be in a previous life. But I adopted a system. Tim Ferriss recommended it. He meant, in fact, he does mention Tim Ferriss in the book. And that was to have an automatic responder to an email saying, thank you for your email. I look at my emails and you choose the time, you know, at midday and at four o'clock. If you need a response more urgently than that, this is my mobile number. Give me a ring. Now, I did that and nobody ever phoned my number. And it just built that expectation that I wasn't going to immediately respond to an email. I think the difference now is that, well, two things. One is sometimes you get a lot of spam back. You've got to, you know, by responding automatically to a spam email, that doesn't help. But secondly, the distractions, I think, are coming elsewhere because they're coming. There's so many platforms now that people can you know, send you a message on. They're, they're coming in from all over the place. But that's something I used to do. Uh, you just reminded me of that. Really do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Again, I would just want to, if something else just came to mind, and it's something I'm working on again at the moment in my own personal life, and that's just trying to be as, as present and quiet in terms of my mind being quiet 
you know, for as much of the day as possible, to be fair. I mean, in, in an ideal world, to, you know, 24 hours a day to have a quiet mind, that'd be amazing. But the difference that that makes to your life, to how productive you are, to how clear you get on things, to, to getting clarity. Um, and I've got to be honest, it, it, it's, it doesn't work when you've got your phone anywhere near you. Yeah. Because the phone is just an, it's just a distraction. You know, so for me, it works. I can leave my phone in another room and work, you know, for two or three hours. I'll write for two or three hours with my phone. Uh, I can't, not even in, in, in it, you know, I can't hear it even. Yeah. Uh, and I know that doesn't, that isn't necessarily going to work for everybody and people are going to probably turn their nose up at that. But that's something that actually works for me is to just to, to park it somewhere. You know, this isn't about, and, and, and again, I respect other people. If I sit down with someone, if, I, if we were getting together now over a coffee, I'd respect Chris. I'd respect you, Chris, if you were, you know, if I, if your phone wasn't visible, binging all the time and, and you looking at it. Because, again, it's a distraction. And most of the stuff, 99% of the stuff. Here's a story, in fact. Here's a lovely story. Yeah. So one of my one of my best friends from, probably my best friend, Pete, Pete Harris, lovely, lovely guy, uh, grew up from, from school, still lives in the same town I live in, Wallingford, which is where we went to school. I, every now and again, I, I, if I do have a drink, I go out and have a drink with him or a meal or we catch up or he'll pop round here and watch a football game or, or whatever. I haven't done it for a while, obviously, because of the situation we're in. But his older brother, we, we went down to this local pub one evening. We watched a football game at mine. We walked down to a local pub and it was mainly to catch up with his brother. He's a very, very knowledgeable guy and he's a very big um, sports fan and we're all sports fans. So we wanted to have a a sports conversation like men do in, in pubs normally. <laughs> so we've gone down this pub and um, his brother, his brother was, was there, Steve. Um, anyway, we're chatting away and, and I hadn't seen his brother for years and years. And I mean, a real long time. Anyway, it became evident during the conversation. I can't remember what happened, but Pete's phone went off in his pocket. He had it in his top pocket and it went off and, and Steve's turned around and made like a detrimental comment about it. And I sort of said, well, that's just life, Steve. And he said, well, not necessarily said, I've never had a mobile phone. I said, what? Now, Steve is, I think Steve's 63. Very fit guy still. But anyway, 63. He's got kids, got family. You know, he, he's, he's got a very high-powered job, in fact. He's never had a mobile phone. This, this stuck with me, what he said, what he followed up. Because I'm like stood there. I'm probably open-mouthed. And even for somebody like me who doesn't use a phone like most people do, I still found that very, very hard to even get my head around. And he turned around and he said, do you know what? He said, in all that time, I could have had a mobile phone. And he's talking probably about 20 years in wow. his lifetime. <laughs> he said, there was only ever once I wish I'd had one. And that just blew me away. And I mean, he did. He, I dug a bit deeper and. I think something had happened at home with one of his sons. His son turned out okay. It wasn't a wasn't a bad emergency where you know. But that's the only time in 20 years that he wished he'd had a mobile phone. And I and I stood there and I, and it was one of those one of those moments that we've all had these moments where I just thought there's a lesson here. And I can't I can't take it as literally as what Steve does, but wow. Yeah. And so I'm constantly interested in anybody that, that, you know, can just disconnect. I mean, there is a, there's, yeah, there's, there's a movement. There's definitely a movement out there about disconnecting. And, you know, uh, there's a book out there. In fact, that I read recently, it's not going to be a book of the month, but anybody that's interested along those lines, it's called 24 six. And it's, uh, it, it came out of the, 
again, it's she's they they study Jewish, they study Judaism. She she basically talks about just the whole family one day a week, no, nothing digital. They you know they switch everything digital off and they just have a family day. They go out, they do the old things we used to do when I was growing up. With, with my mum and dad, we go and walk down the river, we go down the park, I'd go and find friends and kick a ball around in the park, I'd climb trees and you'd go swimming and you'd do all these wonderful things that we could still do, but we don't because we're on our digital devices. And then, as I said, as I said it's not going to be a book of the month, it's just a book I read for me personally. Yeah. I was interested, you know, just like you, I know you read lots of, not, you know, it's not all personal development. It's just a really interesting book about the difference that that had in their family, the impact it had in their family, the, the how meal times all of a sudden were were like they used to be, where people discussed their day, what they were grateful for, and all these host and uh, beautiful conversations that came up because nobody had a, a device anywhere near them. You couldn't hear a device; it had all been switched off for one day. And uh, I love that absolutely. I've only just read it. To be fair, it's not. I'm not saying I'm not going to implement that in my in my sphere of influence, because I am going to try and do something along those lines. Not quite sure what yet. Hasn't sunk in properly, but it was a beautiful, beautiful book. And and as as we know, as as you mentioned earlier, Chris, we didn't used to have tellies. We didn't used to have phones. <laughs> no. no, certainly mobile phones. You know, so the the, the phones that, that I remember had wires, and they were they were they were stuck to the wall. You couldn't pull them all. You had to, you know, you couldn't pull them away from the wall. So, um, interesting, interesting times. And although technology can be brilliant and can and it can enhance your lives, I do think sometimes we have to try and find a balance. Balance is the word, Barry. It makes you. You just talked about the mobile phone. I, being honest and authentic here, it makes me nervous to think about not having a phone. And I'm, you know, as we speak, I'm reflecting on that. How and I'm from a generation we didn't have phones for years. Yeah. I can remember the first car phones used to cost you a couple of grand to have them put in. I remember my first phone. I used to go over to Northern Ireland and it was the size of a shoebox that you had over <laughs> your shoulder. And you'd go into <laughs> Belfast Airport and there's a whole bunch of us, you know, all with this box with a phone. Yeah. <laughs> Over your shoulder, and, I, and I, when I look back, it must it'd be like something out of a Monty Python sketch. And you yeah. could, and the phone sat on the top of the box. The box was the transponder battery thing, and you'd you'd be like on the phone, like a full size. Yeah. It's just incredible, and it's it's interesting because technology and stuff like that. Guys like Elon Musk, I was having a conversation about how things are moving forward with electric vehicles and energy and environment. You just sometimes can't even visualise what it'd be like because years ago I couldn't have imagined a phone, a smartphone, as small as it is, in your pocket doing everything that it does. I'm I'm sounding really old, but anyway, it's managing it, isn't it? It really is. Absolutely, and yeah, I think that's like everything we've said. It's just getting that balance, isn't it? It's manage it and balance it, you know, and and to to the extent where you're happy and that everybody around you is happy as well, that you know it works. It's a win-win for for everybody that's close to you, or your, you know, your compatriots, or the people you work with, or your loved ones. It's that's what it's all about, I think. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to lift from that book? I've got a couple of points I wanted to make. Anything else you've? Got I think I, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Uh, I'm totally done with it. It's um, it's been a, it's been great and been great. What are your other points? Uh, I'm a couple of things that he he talks about, and and 
I'll, I'll share. One of the things that I've been doing for years now is what I call a default diary. Bit like a school diary. You remember you used to have biology, English, you know, French, yeah. sat behind the girl with the ponytails, that type of thing. So you used to have your day laid out, didn't you? And when we leave school, we don't lay the day out like that anymore. Or most people don't. But I do. So I have what I call a default diary or my ideal week. And I plan my ideal week, what it's going to look like. And I include the, the moments for silence. So I'm into the miracle morning. But I actually block out, I put when I'm going to get up and then I'll put a block when I'm going to meditate, do my yoga and then breakfast and take Libby to school. And in terms of business, and I said a high power of activity is prospecting, I'll actually put in when I'm going to be using my phone. So I'm going to be dialing. Then I'll put in three potential presentation slots. So when I'm going to get face to face, show somebody what I've got. And what that means is it's a bit like having, you know, when you phone at the doctor or the dentist, you phone up for an appointment and they'll say, I've got a two o'clock and a three o'clock or whatever. That's exactly how I work my diary. And I put in between mm. it my turbo session. So, for example, we're in the diary straight after this. I've got a turbo session on my bike. Uh, then I'm, I know it's, it might sound anal, but, you know, I'm making Libby's dinner tonight. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. So I, I literally put the time in. Now, it doesn't. Your ideal week doesn't always happen every week, but what it does do, you're much more likely to get the ideal week than if you never did it. You know, so before I call, I put in, I'm going to walk the dogs in the park and all of these things. So it just means, and we're all different types of people, I'm totally bouncing off the walls, disorganised, unless I have a routine and a regime in place. I need a system yes. to follow. So that that's that's what I do, and I share that with people. And the other interesting thing, a lot of people you know, lying in the at the weekends and they don't have a plan. Well, again, I'm thinking, well, hold on. If you've got a regular job, that is the most important. You know, that's your time. Make the most yeah. of it. Plan, plan everything in. So I have a habit of doing that. And every Sunday I plan my week. I look at my goals. I look at my priorities. I look at what's going to bring me closer to achieving the stuff that I want to achieve in life. And then I literally plan it out. And those things on my do list are put into the diary. So that it's not just a list, it's actually the time when I'm going to do it. And like I say, I'm not a machine, it doesn't always happen that way, but what I do know, I get more done as a result of that. So that's a default diary. And to go even a step deeper, I colour code it covering all the six areas of my life. So to make sure I've got a balanced life, I have different colour codes. So I have work and finance, I have adventure and discovery, I have contribution, giving back. I have fitness and well-being, learning and growth, family and relationships. They've all got a different colour. So when I look at my diary, I can see whether I'm getting a balance. It's a physical example of whether I've got a balance in my life or not. So if I'm overweight on one, I can do some little tweaking. And I make an appointment with myself and take that just as seriously as a wood appointment seeing somebody else. So if I make an appointment to meditate, I am going to meditate. If I make an appointment to walk in nature, that's what I'm going to do because that's just as important to me. And I often say, you know, if you've got an appointment with a dentist, the doctor or the hairdresser, or we wouldn't have an appointment with the hairdresser right now, you would keep it, wouldn't you? <laughs> so yes, I'm a real big advocate of make an appointment with yourself to achieve your goals and the things you want to do in your life. It just makes it that little bit easier um, as well to do that. So that was 
that was one tip. What's your take on that? Do you, how do you manage your? I mean, the thing that came to mind there, Chris, and I don't use, uh, you know, I don't use quite the same system as you, but the key to what you're doing, in my opinion, is writing it down. Yeah. You know, you're writing it down. I do it, but I do it in a different way. And, 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 but my system is the same as yours. It's all written down. So, you know, these things, even, <laughs> oh, let me just get it. So I've got two things on my not important list, which I don't need to do this month necessarily, but they're there, you know, they, they're written down because if they, if I don't write them down, I, I won't do them yeah. and I'll probably forget them. Even, you know, even, even when it gets closer to when I really would need to do them, I, I just won't do them. So yeah, I'm a firm believer in everything you just said. In fact, I learned some stuff there myself. I think, Maybe I need to just tweak my own system a little bit and be a bit more time conscious in terms of, you know, each thing. I mean, it was lovely to hear what you said there because without even realizing it, you were actually talking about the things that are important to you. You know, your quiet time, making making dinner for Libby, taking the dogs for a walk, your, you know, your, your, your time on your bike. Yeah. That's the important stuff. Yeah. There is important stuff to do with your business as well. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not taken away from that. But I love the fact that you've, you've got that all in there. Mine, mine is more organic, but it's there every week. You know, I know yesterday, every Wednesday at one o'clock, I have a yoga. You know, so, so that nothing will, nothing will come in, in the way of that. And so if somebody wants to zoom me or, you know, what it's, it's, I always remember Steve, Steve Crutchley taught me that at one of his evenings. He used to show the. He used to show how he managed his time and, and, you know, he blocked time out. I think with Steve, it was for poker. Yeah. Um, and it was, but it was blocked out. It was like, you know, he, he knew that like maybe the night before he'd be, he might be in a poker tournament. If he got successful, he'd be there all night. He wouldn't want to take a call at nine o'clock the following morning. So he'd say, no, sorry, busy. You know, but people don't need to know what we're doing necessarily, but when you're protective of your time like that, yeah, and, and you are very protective of your time. I, 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 re I really respect that. And as you said, other people respect it as well. Yeah. And and the fact that you write it down and you you get it, you know, you, you do it a bit, a, a bit more thorough than I do. I've learned, I can learn from that. There's definitely something I've taken away there myself. Excellent. Well, that was one thing I was here. And the other thing is a tool that I've sort of got from my franchise about time. Remember, I talked about tracking and measuring is a high power of activity. Yeah. Well, one, I've got a sheet and I'm going to put a link to it. It's an Excel spreadsheet and I'll put a link to it in the episode notes, but it's called uh, What I'm Doing Every Day. And a lot of people say to me when I'm coaching them around time is I'm too busy. I've got loads on. I've got this on. I've got that on. And I picked up that you probably you may or may not know this, but solicitors, they actually have to keep a timesheet and every tenth of an hour. So that's every what's a tenth of an hour, Barry? Is it every six minutes? Six minutes. Yeah. Yeah. They have to write down what they're doing because they build wow. clients in tenths of an hour. Okay, so okay. They're, they're going to be charging. It makes it easy for them because they're, they're not that clever. Well, they are because they charge clients that much. But, you know, if they're charging you a thousand pound an hour, it, you know, they can work that out. That's a hundred pounds. for a t Is that right? You know? So um, yeah. they, they do that. And I thought that's an interesting idea. And I created a, a, a spreadsheet with a, a key. And every maybe three months, I'll sit down for five days and I will literally fill that in what am I doing right now so you can see 
whether you're being productive, whatever, and then you can obviously it's it's that awareness, isn't it? You can then eliminate those things that you know you shouldn't be doing, or choose to still do them. It's up to, it's it's up to you, but. It just so it, it's like holding the mirror up and going, oh my god! I thought I was busy. Oh, what am I doing? I've just done this here. I've done that there, and it's just a great way of tracking and measuring. And then that gives you the data. And I'm a great believer. If you're going to collect the data, you analyze it, but you got to take action. So it's no good doing that mm. exercise. You look at it and you go, what can I improve there? Right, I'll cut this out or undo that or whatever. So I'll include a link to that spreadsheet in the show notes and uh, if anybody can benefit from that. It's a starting point for making the most of your time, I think, a lot of the time because it, it, you suddenly realise how much you're wasting. Yeah, perfect. Very powerful. So, Barry, we uh, I think we've covered the book really, really thoroughly and we can really recommend the book, can't we? I've, I've loved it and we, we said that we'd do a bit of a giveaway, didn't we? So what we're going to do is you've got the book of the month and I would really encourage people to be members of book of the month. We've explained all the wonderful reasons why that would really benefit you. We've talked about investing in yourself. So Barry's going to trap this. We're recording this on World Book Day, Barry, aren't we? It's the 4th of yes. March. The episode will go out in the next couple of weeks. But what Barry's going to do, I'll, Barry will obviously know when the episode goes out and then we're saying, we're saying, Barry, aren't we the first person to sign up for Book of the Month who's not on Book of the Month? We're going to give them a free copy of Brian Tracy Time Management, which is what we've been talking about today. So what yeah. do they need to do on their application? Talk them through they what they need, need to, to do to they sign need to up. Let us, they need to let us know yeah. that, they were, they, that they heard this first on, on your podcast. Okay. So if they call and, and give us their details over the phone let us know on the phone. If they email, let us know on email. If they go onto the website and fill the form out at the bottom of the form, just put, or when there's a box on the, on the form, which says starting month, put starting month, for instance, April, and then in brackets, put listen to Chris, listen to the live, laugh, love. Live, love, podcast. laugh and learn podcast, Barry. Get it the right That's way. It. <laughs> listen to Chris's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Barry, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for your time today, which is your most precious asset. I've really enjoyed time it. Well spent. Time, you, time well spent. It is. It is because, you know, I have this thing about books in terms of maybe don't read three books, read one book three times. And this call, just us doing this, internalises the concept in that book far more mm. for us. So we benefit it's hopefully going to benefit the listeners as well. And would you be up for doing this again next month and picking another book and going through that? Is that something you'd be up yeah, for? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, Brilliant. no problem. So we'll get that arranged. We'll pick a book My and pleasure. we'll do, do the same again. So thank you very much and thank you to everybody who's listening. You're welcome. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to the Live, Love, Laugh and Learn podcast. Your host has been Chris Williams. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends. And if you hated it, tell your enemies to listen.